0: All right, we have the opportunity to go to God's Word uh, this morning. And when it comes to the Christmas story, this time of year we call Advent, which refers to the coming of the Lord, the first coming, and we anticipate the second coming. Uh, Unless you go to Old Testament prophecies, all you got really is Matthew 1 and 2 and, and Luke 1 and 2. That, that's really it. And, and when we go to those places over and over again, just like we sang Hark the Herald Angel sing at the beginning of the service, it becomes so familiar that I think some of the meaning just flies right over our head. And when we have our Christmas celebration, so I was looking here with the kids at the at the Magi. but you know when we when we retell this so old and so familiar story, uh, we think about the animals that were there in the manger, which was a, a trough, right? And we think about hay and this and that. Let's see, do we have any shepherds? There's a shepherd and uh, an angel. I just pointed to the angel, called it a shepherd. Anyway, we got uh, angel and shepherds. And that's what we usually think about when it comes to the Christmas story. And what I have found when I, when I first began preaching most every Sunday like I say there's only a couple of chapters really that you can draw from and everybody knows the story so what do you do with that? well we don't need to be inventive we don't need to be creative and come up with stuff that's not there but we can deal with the subject matter of, of scripture by coming at it from a little different angle that might be a little fresh and new because quite frankly I can't really find a whole lot of this anywhere else Christmas, according to Joseph. Joseph was the adoptive father of Jesus. Stepfather, I guess, if you will. Adoptive father. He was his dad. He's the one who raised it. And when we tell the Christmas story and we get so excited about shepherds and angels and wise men and the animals and all the like, it's right there in Matthew 1 and 2 for us what it was like for this man Joseph to raise this little baby who would become the savior of the world. So that's what we're going to do the rest of this Advent season together today the next two Sundays, even Christmas Eve we're going to be in Matthew's gospel looking at Joseph, the quiet hero of Christmas. Now of course we worship the Christ of Christmas not the daddy, not uh, uh, Joseph. Jesus' daddy but I think looking at it in this way will give us some fresh perspectives on a very familiar story so here God's word you have a sermon outline you can avail yourself to full page and on the back I've excerpted a paragraph or two or three whatever there for you from Matthew chapter 1 it says now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way All right, if you've got your cell phone on, you're getting probably an amber alert, possibly a weather alert. And if you just touch that, then the alarm will stop. Let's pray. Lord, it was an alarming thing when you came into this world. Uh, we, we love this story because it's quaint. It's a story of a baby, and most everybody loves babies. Uh, but Jesus, you went from the cradle to the cross, We know the rest of the story and it's the time of year that we retell it. And we need to retell it. We need to recite these things over and over as a church and as individual believers. We pray for whoever is in need that you'll protect them and that you'll bring first responders uh, to their aid. And uh, we pray that you'll protect those um, uh, rescue squad or emergency crew, whoever they are as well. Lord, so now help us again to give uh, attention to your scripture. Work in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in four messages from Matthew's gospel about Joseph, the quiet hero of Christmas, we're going to do the same thing the same basic outline each time and we're going to see how there is a pattern that is deliberately put there by ultimately by God and the human writer he used Matthew remember Matthew the tax collector IRS agent and uh, he put this story together under the influence of the Holy Spirit to hopefully draw our attention to some of these things so each week, we're going to look at Joseph's emotions, letter A, Joseph's plan, B, um, and then divine inter- uh, intervention, prophecy fulfilled, and the like. Okay. So, Christmas begins with a crisis pregnancy, at least from a human perspective. It's what we sometimes term an unplanned pregnancy, an unwed teen pregnancy mother, and there's an unheard of explanation that is alarming, that is disturbing. As I said, we're going to talk about Joseph's emotions, his plan, and his obedience. So let's talk about Joseph, this quiet hero of Christmas, as I have termed him a little bit, to see what we know about him from elsewhere in the scriptures. You can go to Mark 6, you don't need to do it right now, but you can go to Mark 6. You can go to uh, later in Matthew, Matthew 13, to find out that he was a carpenter. Uh, Jesus' dad was a carpenter. The, the word in the original language tells us that he was a laborer, an artisan, a carpenter with wood and probably also with stone. And so he was a builder. He knew how to make things and probably taught his son. The trade he's addressed here in Matthew 2 uh, by the angel as the son of David in verse 20 he's a descendant from David's lineage as the son of Jacob in verse 16 that great patriarch of the faith and so he's a faithful man um, R.C. Sproul says this about him for Jesus to be a son of David in Jewish categories, legally, his father also had to be a descendant or a son of David's line. By the way, parenthetical note, in our main studies uh, of late, we've been in First Samuel, which we'll return to right after Christmas. And we're just getting to the part, our last message was on David and Goliath. We just met David. And here, this man, Joseph, is referred to as one of his descendants from the royal lineage, uh, from the line that Messiah will come and has come. All right, so there's just a little bit about him. Also, Joseph is described in this passage as a just man, not just a man in that sense, only a man, uh, a just man A righteous man, a man of faith who was upright in God's sight because of his faith in Jehovah God, in Yahweh the Lord, and in God's promises. All right, so let's talk about Joseph's emotions. He finds out that his intended is pregnant, and he knows it wasn't him. He hasn't been with Mary in the way that men and women are together. And so, how do you think he felt? He was a true human being. Crestfallen? Upset? Angry? Confused? I mean, we could go on and on, but you get the idea. When he first found out that she was pregnant, it, it would have rocked his world, it would have been very alarming. It would have gotten his attention in a way like nothing else did before. Did you notice when I read in this passage that uh, very strong terms are used about the relationship between Joseph and Mary? Betrothed, that's kind of an old word for us. Talk about that in a moment. But he's referred to as her husband. He's contemplating Divorce. These are very strong terms about the relationship, and that's because Jewish betrothal was stronger than American engagement. I mean, when when people come to me who are engaged and they want to do a little marriage counseling, the advice I give to them, especially if things seem rocky or they don't have the same value system, if they're not both believers, certainly, things like that, I point some of those things out, and I say to them, well, hey, Better is a broken engagement than a broken marriage. That's some of the advice that I give them. But you need to understand that in Jewish culture at this time, 2,000 years ago, betrothal was tantamount to marriage. It was as good that they'd been promised to each other by covenant. And they had done everything together except make a home together, share the marriage bed together, consummate the marriage. And so Joseph would have been devastated. Mixed emotions, love, pain, anger, shock, hurt, confusion, apprehension, jealousy. Who is it? Who is it? Just tell me who it was. But it wasn't another man. It's stated as fact in Matthew's gospel, in Luke's gospel, that this was of the Holy Spirit that her conception was by the Holy Spirit. Um, if you have, are on Facebook, if you ever watch the daily devotionals, I do. I did one, I think, just yesterday, tracing through many of the women in the Old Testament who were barren. You and I have studied one together here, when we started First Samuel. Remember that? Hannah. And yet Hannah had a son, Samuel. Well, there's, there's several other women that that's the case for as well. And then in the virgin birth, God goes one better. It's not a barren woman whose womb he opens. It's an unmarried, teenage, unwed mother who had never been intimate with any man. The world scoffs at us when we retell this very familiar story. They, they think that things have been kind of covered over. We believe it's the promise of God come true, and the word of God. They haven't yet come together. They haven't yet had sexual intercourse. They haven't cohabited or had conjugal relations, whatever you want to call it. By the way, the notion of the perpetual virginity of Mary, that is not what we believe uh, the scriptures talk about. Uh, other siblings of Jesus it names several of them in the scriptures, brothers and sisters of Jesus, who were all skeptics about his claims to be able to forgive sin and be God until until the resurrection of Christ and the sending of the Spirit. How do we know this? Well, I can't give you a chapter and verse right now, but I can tell you about the book of James and the book of Jude, the short little one chapter, one that you've flip past to get to Revelation. Those were written by brothers, or if you want to be technical, half-brothers of Jesus. So Joseph's emotions, he had wooed Mary, had won her heart, promised to each other, and now we have this huge problem. A stunner. Mary is stunned too. Right? She says to the angel, if you go over to Luke, we're not going there, but Uh, How how can this be? For I know not a man, or since I am a virgin. How can this be? And the Holy Spirit, uh, through the angel, says nothing is impossible with God. So his emotions mixed all over the place. His plan? Put her away quietly. Like plan A for Joseph, he was making a home for her. He, He wanted to get married and live happily ever after. Isn't that what we all want? Plan B, he gets this news, she's going to have a child, mixed emotions, running rampant all over the place, imaginations in his mind and who is it, but he makes up his mind, he resolves to put her away quietly, to divorce her quietly, to break the marriage covenant and to send her off somewhere. Why? So her pregnancy can proceed so she can have the the child not with every eye of the town folk, the village of Bethlehem, the little hamlet, on her, but also because, as far as he could tell, she had committed adultery. As far as he knew, she was unfaithful to him already before they had even come together. And the maximum penalty under the Old Testament law for someone who commits adultery was stoning to death and he loved her as upset as he was mixed emotions as he had he didn't want to see her shamed humiliated disgraced or stoned to death made up his mind to put her away quietly making private arrangements i've got somewhere you can go uh, a cousin or whatever in another district, what have you. As he considered his options, he turned it over in his mind. One source I consulted said it wasn't consistent with his uprightness to expose his betrothed to public reproach. Then the Lord intervenes. By the way, if you want to memorize a short verse, it's going to be our benediction today, Proverbs 16, 9. In your notes, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Joseph's emotions mixed. His plan, put her away quietly. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So what do we have next? Divine intervention. We've got divine intervention. The word of the Lord comes to Joseph. And Joseph, in this regard, is a prophet. A prophet of the Lord. And you say, what do you mean? Well, let's see if I flagged it in my Bible. I don't think I did. Um, I'm going to read for us Numbers 12. Uh, You don't have to turn there. You can just listen in the first books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers Chapter 12, I believe it's verse six. Give a listen to what this says. That's not my right verse. Sometimes it's a bad thing when you can't when you're a pastor and you can't even read your own writing. Here yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. There it is. That was God's way of revealing himself before we had the entire canon of Scripture, all 66 books of the Bible. He would reveal himself through visions and dreams. What does Joseph have? A dream with a vision. And the word of the Lord... Comes to him. This is divine intervention. Point C in your outline. Behold, another twist. Uh, what, what do we call it when you're watching a drama on TV, a, a crime show, and something happens that's unexpected? Is that what we call it? A twist? Yeah, a plot twist. Uh, except this, you know, this is a true story. This is not fiction in the mind of a uh, human writer made up. But this is what actually happened. Another unexpected twist. Mary is pregnant, but she hasn't been with another man. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That which is in her has been conceived of the Lord, says an angel, a messenger. It's not what you think. Because what does he think? There's another guy. And the angel has to set him straight. It's not what you think. It's unheard of it's never happened before or since and then we've got prophecy fulfilled uh, Matthew our gospel writer goes to the Old Testament the verse is Isaiah 7:14 it's one that we do use at Christmas time some and says he shall be called they shall call his name Emmanuel. By the way, let's talk about the name of this baby that would become a boy. We have scant record of that from Luke's gospel. And then a man. And what did they call him? Emmanuel, time for dinner. Emmanuel, God with us. Is that, is that, that, that's not what they called him. But it would be said of him that God is with us. I, heard, I listened to one sermon in my preparation for today's message I listened to one sermon about those three words alone, God with us. After the message, we're going to sing a song about Emmanuel. But as far as the townsfolk and Joseph and Mary, they didn't, when they hollered for Jesus to come, they didn't yell Emmanuel. Nobody called him that. What do you and I call him? Jesus. Guess what? Nobody called him that. You know what they called him? Yeshua, Yeshua, which means that Jehovah saves, the Lord saves. So every time they said his name, by the way, I don't know why I do this, but I think it's on my outline. I put Reverend Thomas M. Cox. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Sounds official. Reverend Thomas M. Cox. The M is for Mason. Mason was my daddy's name. So my daddy gave me his name. I gave my son uh, as his middle name, my first name. He's Jacob Thomas Cox. Family names handed down. There wasn't anybody in Joseph's family who was called Yeshua. Now, some people did bear that name, Joshua. Right? It's the same thing. It's referring to the fact that the Lord, Yahweh, saves his people. By the way, they uh, oh, golly, I'm, I'm getting old. I had two kids; you'd hardly know it because I don't seem to remember much. But wh- what do they call it when you find out the gender of your baby? Folks who've had one more recently <coughs> than me, yeah, well, they do big gender reveal parties, right? You know, you know bur- bursting pink balloons or blue powder goes all over everybody or wh- whatever it is. Well, we have, you know, to us that's no big deal because you do a simple test and you find out if you want to the gender of your child well in advance so you can prepare the nursery accordingly. Not so in Jesus' day. It was divine revelation, the word of the angel, you will bear a son. They get to find out, unlike other people of their time, the gender of their child beforehand. Jesus, Yeshua, Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, God in the flesh, God in skin. God has drawn near to us in Christ. On the back of uh, your outline, there's a similar verse to the uh, one that was on the front, another proverb. Proverbs 19. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So let's go on to Joseph's obedience, I think. Letter E in your outline, Joseph's obedience. He did as he was commanded. Remember plan A, live, ha- you know, get married, live happily ever after. Didn't happen. Plan B, uh, put her away quietly, send her out in the countryside somewhere to, to have the baby and avoid disgrace and all that. That's plan B, didn't happen. Now we're on to plan C from a human perspective from Joseph's perspective which is plan A all along in the mind of God it's part of the eternal decrees of God that he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass and so now we see Joseph's obedience he did as he was commanded he didn't say oh it was just a it was just a dream too many pepperonis on my pizza last night in faith he acted upon the word of the Lord he did what he was said what did he do? he married Mary, number one he got bullet points under letter E if you're following along your outline Joseph's obedience, he married Mary he exercised self control, what does that mean? he knew her not, in the biblical sense of the word, right? they didn't have marital relations until after the boy was born I've already established that they then did have relations because he had James as a brother and Jude as a brother and he had some sisters that are named elsewhere in the scripture. Go find them. So he married Mary. He exercised self-control and he named his son Jesus. To give a name to that child that he didn't bring into the world or have a part in doing so, means that he adopted this son as his own. He accepted this child and believed the Word of the Lord. He was bringing this baby from an unplanned pregnancy, an unwed teen mother. He was bringing this baby into his family. Why is he called Jesus, by the way? We talked about Emmanuel, we talked about Yeshua, but the reason annexed to it, I put it in verse 21 in green highlight for you. Why? Why call him Jesus? For he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. there's, there's so, We could give a whole sermon just on that phrase. Our sins, we need salvation. We need deliverance. We need rescue. We need forgiveness. We need eternal life that can come only from God. Our sins have to be dealt with. When we have a baby, you know, the little bundle of joy and everybody loves it and everything, and if you're keeping nursery, for example... It's not too many months that go by that if you didn't believe in the doctrine of original sin, within a few months you will. <laughs> so, so having a baby, who wonderful, sweet, helpless, you've got to care for, a bundle of joy brings you so much happiness, also reveals the sin of mankind to you. Not this baby. This baby was born to take away our sin. He will save his people. By the way, it doesn't say he will make salvation possible. He will show the way. He will tell people how it's possible for them to know God. That's not what the scripture says. It says he will save his people from their sins. He's done it. He's done it. He went from the cradle to the cross. He lived a perfect life of obedience in between. He died on the cross To satisfy divine justice, to make payment for our sin, he rose from the dead and lives forever. And as such, he has the power of within himself of a life-giving spirit, and he gives salvation to sinners like you and like me. Yet today, that's why we're here, retelling this story. Well, the virgin birth. When you hear that, when you talk with your extended family member these holidays, and they say, oh, you, you know, you, you really believe? I mean, that's a nice, that's a quaint story. You've got animals and this rustic, rudimentary, what, rude little birth. That's a cute story. But you're one of those? <laughs> you actually believe there was no man involved? <laughs> the virgin birth, is it a miracle to be believed or a literary device contrived by the church to kind of cover up a scandal. Is it a fairy tale or a matter of faith? Is it fanciful or factual? I believe it's fact and our faith. So, today's takeaways we have some appreciation for Joseph, this quiet hero of Christmas. The next three messages, it's going to be the same thing. What were his human emotions? What was his plan? how God intervened and his obedience. We're going to look at that so that we will emulate his faith and his obedience. as We will worship the Savior. Let's pray.